Hey, welcome to Scratching the Surface. I'm Jared Fuller, and this is my podcast about design criticism and practice. On this week's episode, I am talking to a good friend of mine, Brian LaRosa. Brian is a design director at Scholastic. He writes essays for Design Observer and just recently joined the adjunct faculty in the design department at the City University of New York. I've really enjoyed getting to know Brian over the last two years or so. He actually started writing for Design Observer around the same time that I started this podcast, and we discovered that we shared so many similar interests in regards to design and writing and the type of uh, kind of design discourse that we were interested in, and I've been looking forward to getting him on the show so we could kind of talk about all of this stuff. So in this episode, Brian and I talk about his background and his initial resistance to design We talk about how he started writing and what it was like to learn about design's history and culture. And one thing that I really enjoyed about this conversation is that we also talk a lot about not just writing, but also reading and the value that Brian finds in books and reading and and literature. This one was really fun. Brian's enthusiasm is, is completely contagious, and I think that you'll really enjoy it. If you're a fan of the podcast and want to help support it, you can become a member for $5 a month or $50 a year to receive an exclusive monthly newsletter with additional content and episode previews. These memberships really help keep the podcast going. I just really appreciate all of your support and hope that you enjoy this conversation with Brian LaRosa. I reread everything that you had written on Design Observer to prepare oh, wow. for this, and your first, your first piece, basically the thesis of it was that design is this inherently uh, literary discipline, and I had forgotten that that was your first piece, and I was struck by how that thesis I feel like can actually explain so much of your other writing since. Then and so I kind of want to start just talking about that piece, if that's okay. Yeah, sure. Um, where that where that idea come from, or this this notion that design, because um, in it you you and I don't mean to like explain the piece to you, but no, you yeah. you draw this kind of comparison or this contrast between Milton Glaser, who talks about the importance of drawing, and you're like, yeah, that's important, but also reading and writing is important. Uh, and I think it's interesting that that served as your first piece on Design Observer. It's almost like you know, kind of putting a a stake in the ground. Where that come from i mean it it came from the same place that any any piece that i've written which is just kind of like this little feeling yeah of an idea or something that like nag that's nagging me like something that i want to talk about or something that i want to learn more about or try to figure out and like working in book publishing for so long i just you know always had this sense i mean that piece talks about the kind of collaboration that happens between editors and designers and in a way i mean like especially when you're reading about design theory, like a lot of the things that are being discussed about the way designers think and move through projects, it's exactly what editors do. It's almost like in book publishing, like the designers and editors are kind of like two, two lobes of the same yeah. brain, like we're moving together and we're working together. So like there's a bridge there that's, that's very natural. Um, but it was, you know, it's hard for me to think about exactly what I was feeling when I, when I wrote it. At this point, it was a little bit ago, but, you know, to connect to the show... You know, I, I didn't I haven't been writing for that long. Really. Well, that was my next question. And when I when I first started writing, I wrote that piece, and then quickly, shortly after writing that piece, I, somebody turned me on to the show, <laughs> right. and I'm listening. And it was one of the early episodes, and is I don't think I don't know if it was Michael Rock or you were 
talking yeah. about him and you were talking about that he said something oh, yeah, yeah, similar. Yeah, yeah. And I just finished this essay and he, right. said, and he said something along the same lines, like design is literary. And I was like, oh, my people. Yeah, <laughs> I was yeah, like, yeah. what? Design is an elaborate form of writing, I think was his, yeah, yeah, his phrase. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then I got so excited about this show and, and like, you know, <laughs> right. like I, okay, yeah, yeah. this, okay, there's a conversation here. Like I was already into writing and then I was like, oh, and there's more of us, you know? Like, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. you know? Well, I think what strikes me Oh, that's very kind. Thank you. Uh, but what's what struck me about it, reading it in retrospect, is that it was your first piece on design observer, and you hadn't done much writing before then, at least publicly. So where, you know, I guess maybe to, to go back even further, where did that interest in writing, or how did you start writing, or even reading? Because the piece doesn't just limit it sure. to writing, but also kind of the importance of reading. Have those has writing and reading always been a part of your life or your career? Well. I was anticipating you might ask this question, and I was <laughs> and I was and anticipating. I was like, oh, I wish I could answer that really like succinctly. <laughs> yeah, but it's actually a long story. I don't think I could. We have time. I don't think I could describe it without describing how I came to design. Okay. Without, yeah. Otherwise, I don't know if it would make sense. You know? Do it. Go for it. So in undergrad, I went to MICA. Yeah. And in undergrad, I studied illustration. Um, you know, and that program is very much focused on editorial illustration. And this mm -hmm. is the late '90s, and I don't have like a lot of. I, don't, I haven't seen data on like the con the type of contract usage mm -hmm. and like how it changed over time. That's interesting. But our professors were really presenting like work for hire contracts, like it was a brand new thing, and or not like a brand new thing, but like that it was becoming way more prevalent, right? Yeah. That it was damaging the field of illustration, and so like for anybody um, listening that's not familiar with work for hire, it's basically a contract that says for the duration of the project, your work product is is property of the company. And when you're done, you owe no rights to it at all. So, like, but back in the day, illustrators would uh, do projects, and then they would own the right, they would license it to the people, but they would still own the illustration. They could actually sell it again. Oh, interesting. Um, so, I mean, it was, I, I've always been a drawer, and illustration was working out well. I got a piece into the, when I was a senior, into the Society of Illustrators student show. Oh, I was like, okay, I could go down this path. But they had painted this picture of like it's just not going to work out, like, <laughs> right? Like this is like trying yeah. to play for the yeah. NBA. Um, That's interesting. And to be fair, my wife, uh, Allie Rex, we we started dating in college, okay. and she was a year behind me. So I'm, I'm finishing illustration. I'm thinking like I can't be an illustrator; it's not going to work. And you know what? Allie's got another year of school. I might as well go to graduate school. Which, okay. You know, like I, if I'm honest, that that was kind of my thinking. Yeah. Um, so I, I did this, I applied and got into this digital MA program, digital okay. art. MA. And this was at MICA also. MICA also. It was right. a one-year MA. Uh, so, but I was already thinking like, ah, oh, illustration. So I was just, I thought very little of graphic design. Yeah. You know, art school kind of sets that up where you have these like departments right. and everyone's like, well, right. you, know, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, painters are going to starve and, and designers are sellouts. These these ideas. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so I was I thought little enough to design that I was like, I can do that. Interesting. You know, I've never taken a single class on typography. I knew nothing. And I was like that that boldness carried it over enough. Like I had some friends that went to Goucher, a friend from high school okay. he introduced me to uh, someone else, they had started this zine, this newsprint okay. zine called Manifest. And it was amazing. We had, by the end, we had like 20,000 copy distribution across five cities. We were oh, interviewing, inter uh, interviewing like Kali Lazen, the founder of Adbusters, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all these artists and stuff. And somehow, somehow I became like the creative director of it. So I was like doing <laughs> this all the This is while you're, you're in 
grad like school, trans- basically. Transitioning from undergrad to grad school. Okay. I'm also working on this zine all the okay. time. It's like this counterculture zine. Yeah. It's very, like, George Bush was president, and it was all <laughs> right, very right. much like, F, you know, like, yeah, yeah, fight yeah, yeah. the system yeah, yeah. kind of magazine. And, but I was typesetting it, and when you look at it, it's... <laughs> I never typeset anything. It was insane. <laughs> but I was just, like, thought very little of graphic design. I can yeah. do this, you know? So then the grad program starts... September of 2001. So me, I mean, I, I don't need to describe that day for you, but like yeah. that happened very quickly. Um, everyone was like, holy, it was, major, yeah. it was a major paradigm shift. And one of the professors in the grad program uh, lived in New York and was planning to come down. And this is, again, this is digital MA, digital art. Right. This is like Fluxus. This right. is pre-YouTube. So people are like coming down with laser discs oh, yeah, 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 yeah. of Namjoon Pike. And, and like all these like fluxus video artists and so like it was this we were not designers it's digital right. art but it's like yeah fine, i mean that, i'm like, glad you point that out because when you said digital art i was thinking about what it is now and it's you know a lot of animation type stuff it's processing things like that but this is all pre sure pre that kind of even early internet-y it was stuff. kind of this weird transition from yeah. like this fluxus video art to like internet art Interesting. and um the professor, I can't remember their name now, and I can't remember what they were supposed to teach. 9-11 happened, and they were like, I'm not commuting from New York City to Baltimore right now. Like, the right. world's coming apart. Like, this feels dangerous. I, I, I just got to stay close to home with my family, and, you know, my city's under attack. Like, no, I'm not leaving it. So they were like, oh, okay, well, you know, and this is like within, you know, the semester has begun, and these right. are graduate students right. that paid for this program. So... I can only imagine what the director was like scrambling, like, holy shit, what are yeah, we doing? Yeah, yeah. And so graciously and amazingly, as you know, um, that she is, Ellen Lupton was like, I'll step okay. in and teach a class on design. And we were furious. We were like, what? <laughs> right. <laughs> what? Desi- we're not designers. We don't want to learn about design, you know? Like, um, but she was incredible and it planted a seed. You know? So what was that class like? Like what did she, you know, to these people that, you know, probably didn't care about design or didn't have an interest in quote unquote graphic design, um, what kind of things did she do? What, what did that like, class become? It was like half and half. And to be fair, she taught it with someone else and I, and I apologize, I can't remember okay. who she taught yeah. it at this point. But half, one half was, a long was like ago. history. Okay. Um, design history and the other half was like sophomore year type class okay but for graduate students right so we're like typesetting things the only thing i remember typesetting was like she gave us a paragraph and i was just and and like i feel like the piece like represents how i felt about it i like took all the punctuation alone not the text and enlarged it until it covered all the text (laughs) so it's just like this blob from the punctuation so it was almost just like tearing it was almost like an attack on, yeah. on the whole idea of graphic design, like destroying the communication of it. So, so how, how, how did you feel about, you know, because you, you talked about the class in general kind of being not wanting to study design or, or design was this other thing. What, were you interested in it? Did it grab you? How did, did you, it? I mean, spoiler alert, you become a designer. So something, sure. <laughs> you know, something happened. Well, I don't want to say like I had an epiphany in the class, but it planted okay. a seed. And yeah. meanwhile, I'm still like creative directing this magazine. Right. And and so to like explain how I got to writing, like at that point, as early as grad school, I already had this like, 
like feeling that I needed to be doing more than one thing right at all times. So like grad school's not enough. I need to also creative direct this mag this magazine because I just yeah. had a lot of energy. You know, yeah. as a kid, they you know said I had too much energy. But like, um, so I you know I finished grad school. Allie gets into Cranbrook for painting. Okay. She, you know, she's a she's a painter. Who, she keep, she keeps a studio in in Brooklyn. Okay, um, I didn't know that. Yeah, she's a brilliant painter and huge, you know, influence and inspiration yeah. on me. Um, so we go to we go to I go with her to Detroit. Um, she's in at Cranbrook. She even her minor. You're allowed to do like one elective okay, as part yeah, of the right. grant program there. And she was with did Elliot Earl with oh, Elliot nice. Earl. She was nice. in the design department. And I, I didn't know anything about who he was or the McCoys or any of the history of anything. And I was just like, Oh, that's so funny. I didn't know enough to like, like if that had happened now, she'd be coming home every day and I'd be like, okay, let's sit down. (laughs) Tell me everything that was said. So you're just hanging out there. Like what? (laughs) I, uh, started out working at a, my gym. Okay. Which is like one of those facilities that, that like, uh, is gymnastics for little kids. So it's basically like running birthday parties. Okay. Um, and like, you know, they had a, the ball, a mobile ball pit. Oh, and, yeah. like, when the kids peed in the balls, it was my job to, like, take the balls and wash them. But this is Detroit, so it's, like, freezing. So I got this, like, net bag full of ball pit balls, and I have to go to the like, manual car wash right. and hang them up and, like, spray them down. And it, that, didn't, that didn't work for long. Um, but I learned a lot from that job about public speaking, you know. Because oh, I'm, like, commanding a whole room, leading this birthday party. Right. Um, but by the end, I was like, God, oh, the hours weren't regular enough. I just wanted something steady, dependable. So I yeah. became a bank teller, you know, okay. very nine to five, yeah. very uh, dependable. So I was a bank teller for the second year. Uh, I thought I was going to be, a des- could get a job as design. You know, remember I was thinking very little design. I can do this. I actually even interviewed, I went and did a test at uh, the Detroit Free Press, I think, the, the newspaper there. I show up there early on before even my gym and I and I go and, and like the art director's there and kind enough to even just let me come in the door. This is like even before like monster.com. So I'm like finding oh, right, jobs in the right. newspaper. I like show up and the job in the newspaper is like come work at this newspaper. I'm like, okay. And I show up and he's like, we ch- he's like, we just need you to design this like two inch by three inch all text advertisement and we need it in like an hour. And I don't remember what I did, but they didn't invite me back. <laughs> I mean, I didn't know anything about type, so it's not surprising. Are you still at this time, are you still working on this magazine, this zine, and are you still doing illustrations? The stuff? magazine kind of, you know, ran its course. Okay. I was trying to do illust- freelance illustration here, there, picking up like jobs, yeah. nothing in terms of money, but just yeah. like little things. And I was basically spending all my free time working on my website. Okay. I was teaching myself web design. Okay. I'm learning HTML, CSS, JavaScript. I'm making web, putting so much energy in this website, like really nerding out so that doing things that were totally unnecessary, right? So like when you came to my website, the background would be different pattern every time. Oh, yeah. But it was like a (laughs) subtle different, like no one would ever notice. I was like, it'll be fresh that way. But I learned a lot about the web, you know, and I was trying to like, I, you know, I, I did a, I designed a poster for my gym. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, I did. So I was doing what I could to learn about type and to make this website. So what's your relationship stuff. to that word design or this idea of being a designer of, you know, finishing undergrad and kind of not thinking you could be a designer and then part of your graduate school experience becoming a almost design history intro to design to now applying for design jobs at 
newspapers designing your website. Is that, did this start to feel like? No, some, I still okay. didn't care about it at all. <laughs> okay. But I was like, this will this will be a way. To so like it was just a way more. to okay. Well, you know, grad school really got my got me interested in working as a fine artist. Also, just like yeah, thinking Allie is awesome. Right. You know, because right. she's this amazing painter, Cranbrook degree, and like she really yeah. knows what's happening in the art world. So like we finish, she graduates, we move to New York City, um, and my thought is like I'm gonna get a design job to support like uh, our studio practice. I'm gonna be making art, and so I show up and like you know, a, a, you know, to acknowledge my privilege, like a family friend, you know, works at Time Inc. and, and you know that is like was yeah. a huge help yeah. to me. It was like to have somebody like say, oh, I'll introduce you to somebody. And they introduced me to a designer at Fortune. Okay. Um, and the designer at Fortune, uh, you know, looked at my website that I'd spent two years working <laughs> right. on. And he was like, I would change a lot of things here. You know, we're meeting and he's like, I would change this and this yeah. and this and this and this, a laundry list. And I go home and I stay up all night and change all of it. I do. You, it. you just take I all this. I made every change that he asked for, and I sent it to him the next day. I was like, "How's this?" And he's like, "Let me introduce you to my to my roommate, um, who uh, is was Jaime Jaime Lucero, and he was a creative director at Scholastic. And he was okay. like, "You know what? I'm hiring a designer. You know, uh, you know, why don't you come in and, and we can talk?" And I came in and just told the crazy story that I just told you of like I'm doing 600 different things and none of it very well and I don't know and I but he you know he saw potential and was like graciously gave me a seat in his department I have a question I have two questions that are kind of related may or may not be related because you know you you get this job and then you kind of just work your way up and are now a design director of like how many people are on on your team now? uh i mean the in-house team is small there's like three but there's there's a good, okay. good number of freelancers that we're working with at any time and so you know you kind of plant yourself here and this is almost 20 15 uh, years yeah well this is my 14th year okay yeah. i have two questions planting yourself here and having a really good career as a designer but then that early interest of kind of wanting to do a lot of things um how did how did design become this kind of I don't want to use the word comfortable, but I can't think of a better word for it, but become this base that you could kind of do all of these other things? Um, does that make sense? Yeah, you know no, what it I makes mean? perfect sense. Um, and then the, the the second part of the question is, do you still how how that desire to do all of those other things kind of filters in to now this umbrella of design? So it took a long time. So yeah. when I first came, I really w I, I was showing with a small gallery in Williamsburg called Like the Spice that okay. a friend of mine from graduate school started, okay. Mar Marissa Sage. And so like uh, I was you know showing in all her group shows and I was showing in, in other shows around. And, oh, nice. And so I was spending a lot of my time doing that. And so I really was showing up to work every day like this is how I'm paying the bills. Right. I, I didn't, I learned everything. In, I mean, I learned so much on the job. And... So I, I, I designed like a hundred book covers before I started caring about design. Okay. You know, I yeah. was just churning them out like, yeah. like it was a day job, like I was at the bank stamping right. checks. But it wasn't the, it wasn't the thing, you know, it wasn't the thing you were interested in. It I was didn't the, care. Right. Yeah. And then, but then when I, around when I turned 30, um, which was, you know, which was around the time Twitter 
okay. came around. Like okay. Twitter played a large role in yeah. my education, in my self-education, in my yeah. design. I, I kind of, around the age of 30, like I started using Twitter and I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> wait a minute. I was like, wait a minute, does all designers don't wish they were artists? Wait a minute, there's a designer oh, has own history and heroes and institutions. Like, oh, this is news to me. Like, I mean, okay. it, it makes me sound like insanely ignorant, but I just like, just hadn't thought about it through that lens yet. You know, like I hadn't, I didn't know what Design Observer was. I mean, Design Observer was pretty new at that point, but like I didn't know who yeah. Michael Beru was. I didn't know what anything. I didn't know who Milne Glazer was. I remember right. being 30 and, yeah. and my creative director, Jaime, telling me, mentioning Milne Glazer offhand because actually Jaime's creative director was Vincent Chechi, who worked okay. at Pushpin. Yeah. So there's kind of this like lineage from Pushpin to, to the way he was running the design department that I was in. And he mentioned Milne Glazer offhand. I was like, oh, who's that? And again, at this point, I designed like 100 book covers. And he's right. like, what? Right. You don't know who Milton Glazer is? And so I was like, oh. And it just started crystallizing. I started like using Twitter as like a catalyst of like, oh, yeah. I, should, I should look up more about that. I should look up more about that. Um, and around that time, I, I also met someone who ended up also becoming a mentor of mine, Russ. Right. Russ Diana. <clears throat> Um, so Rustiana is like, was the lion of Scholastic's Creative Services. He started working here in 1964. Yeah, that's crazy. And it was amazing. And he just passed away in January. But, you know, shortly before, shortly after I joined Scholastic, and, but shortly before I met him, he started this group called the Design Forum here. Okay. Which, in his mind, the charge of it was to, like, connect and uh, educate and inspire all the designers in the company. But not just that, but to like elevate the role of design yeah. within the company and to really celebrate it. And like not just to help the designers feel connected, but also to help like people in other job functions understand the value of design. So like editors and marketers and finance people even like to see like, okay, design is important to the bottom line of this business. So he was hosting speakers here. So he, he you know, he hosted like I went to a talk that he hosted with uh, Stephen Heller. So like right. all this yeah. is happening at the same time, like Twitter. He's and this like is, I mean, you've been in. here for a while now, and you're just kind of suddenly opened up right. to this. So I just kind of, and meanwhile, I'm still making art on the side and stuff, but I'm starting to be like, wait a minute, okay, yeah. this, is, this is important. You, wanna, you know, like, I, 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 I started to see it differently. It's interesting to me that, I have a theory that, you know, kind of hearing you, you, you describe this story, I, I'm struck by... To take it all the way back to the beginning of the conversation, your first Design Observer piece, that you were an illustrator, you were drawing all the time, and you were then kind of working as a designer, and they were two separate things, and you didn't care about design. But then it was when you started kind of seeing the history and the theory and the writing about design, which is what kind of opened it up, and that it wasn't the... I, I, I don't mean to make such a harsh distinction that it wasn't the visual side, but it was suddenly there was this other side to it that you weren't aware of, and that's that's what opened it up for you. Uh, can you talk more about just like why that grabbed you so much? That you know, because I imagine that designing book covers that you were there was some drawing involved in illustrating and all the things that you had been doing. What was it about suddenly seeing history and theory and writing and discussion that 
like flipped a switch for you? Well, I mean, I would describe myself as a voracious reader now. Like I read, yeah. I read today, like I'm running out of time. Yeah, right. Like I can feel my death on the horizon. Right. And I need to get as many books squeezed in as possible. But who, I didn't, who, I didn't read There's a philosopher. Way. I'm sorry to cut you off. There's no, a, no. there's a philosopher. There's somebody who says something about like the stack next to your bed of unread books is is like a way to fight mortality or something like it's oh, I, uh, I, I, I wish I yeah uh, I'll send, find it and I'll send it me, to you but it's something about like you, you accumulate books and things you haven't read as like a way to <laughs> to prolong death or something like that yeah I I'll that. find it I, don't I mean know that why. is the way I feel yeah I kind of feel like I'm stretching my time yeah by packing with books but I, I wasn't always that way mm-hmm. that's also like something that I kind of came into through design because I, I design books by thought leaders and literacy instruction. So I'm kind of like yeah. drenched in data on like the benefits of reading all day. And eventually like I yeah. just kind of drank the Kool-Aid, you know, yeah. but at this point, like early on, like when I'm designing, I'm first kind of like waking up to design, like it wasn't, uh, it wasn't, I wasn't doing a ton of reading, but it was the idea that there was a culture there. So my dad is a sociology professor. Okay. So he kind of, had raised me to look at things through the sociological lens, you know, in a way, mm-hmm. I'm, by no means, I've never even taken a single course on sociology. So by no means, let me clarify, right. I don't know anything about sociology, but I was kind of raised in a house with a sociology professor. So That's like, so interesting. It, it definitely had an influence on the way that I value like culture. I, I think it's, it, it has an influence on the, what I write about. Like I'm not yeah. interested yeah. in writing about a recent logo. I'm yeah. interested in writing about um, the culture of things, the culture of design. And so like, when I, what I kind of woke up into was like that design even had a culture. Like, yeah. which, it seems silly to not know, but like I just didn't. You're hitting on two things that are interesting. And I don't mean, I always get really self-conscious when I draw parallels between the person I'm talking to and my own, um, my own kind of background in design. But you're hitting on something, on two things that, that are directly parallel to my own experience. And I've talked about this first one on the podcast before, but just how my introduction to design, similar to you, I guess, was through Design Observer and Speak Up. And and this was, Twitter wasn't even a, a thing at the time, but just kind of reading these blogs. And so my design education was almost inverted in that I knew a lot of design history and a lot of theory, uh, but you know had no idea what kerning was. And so I think that's why a lot of my interest as a designer is still in that more theoretical side, because that's kind of like, yeah. you know, the origin to it. But the, the other side of this is my interest in reading and culture, I think I can trace back to design also in that before I discovered, quote unquote, graphic design, did not read a lot, you know, did not I mean, even things like kind of like watching movies and things was just something that I wasn't interested in. But when I discovered graphic design, that became this lens that then suddenly the whole world looked different. And I was reading not just design things, but I was reading, you know, novels and like, 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 you know, pop psychology, like, like just anything I could get my hands on as a, as a, you know, 17 year old kid. And still all of my reading, I feel like is through this design design lens so I don't know that wasn't really yeah 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 just no, to no. Like, you know draw I can relate yeah um how did that change how did that change the work then or like coming into to Scholastic where now maybe it wasn't just the thing to pay the bills I mean it, it did change it a lot like suddenly um you know and, and around this time I was starting to I was kind of like moving away from art 
Like, at, at some point, like, I was always doing something on the side. Like, yeah. for a while, I was doing, like, experimental poetry, and I was doing, oh, nice. doing digital art and showing and this, and then, like, you know, in the, in the movie The Dark Crystal, you know, at the end, the Skeksis <laughs> and the Mystics, like, combined, uh, yeah. and it was kind of like, like, eventually, like, my side hustle or side projects right. started to become design-focused, and it was, like, a merger. Um, so, I, you know, it wasn't, like... I mean, even now, I would say, like, I'm still feeling like I have energy to spend in more than one place. Mm -hmm, but, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm spending it on writing, which isn't designing. Yeah. But the writing is about design. Yeah. Do you know? And the reading is about design. So, like, I, I mean, I really view reading yeah. as a practice as well as writing. And so, like, I feel like all of these things are, uh, even though now a lot of it is really filtered through that lens of design, I still feel like scattered in a, in a good way. Yeah, know, yeah, yeah. That helps you in a way that's fulfilling. To then talk about the writing and kind of bring the, the writing side in, when did you realize or, or you know, you, you were, you're doing all this reading. It's this thing that kind of made design a lot more interesting to you. When did you start feeling like you wanted to be a part of those conversations as not just a consumer of all of these texts about design, but that you wanted to add to it or that you had something to say that you wanted to kind of put out there? I mean, I think like, so art really died for me. And I'll use that word. Like it stopped, it stopped being something that I could pay, put energy to when my twin sons okay. were born, you know, which, which. And, and which was like an amazing, right. beautiful thing. And, and, and they, they take so much of me, like to the yeah. idea of like maintaining a studio practice, which somehow seems bigger. You know, right. It just seems like there's right. no more time for me to like do that. So it was almost like the, the pressure of this amazing, beautiful thing of, of my sons, like squeezed that extra energy into this efficiency. It like created this, right need for efficiency and like writing just became the most efficient what form like i started writing the first thing i started writing was uh, a history of the branding of book publishing houses on design observer there's 20 okay. but on medium right. i did 32 so okay. there's a lot of book publishing houses and i was doing like um primary source research interviewing uh, you know, people at Random House and oh, okay. getting all these like amazing stories about how these book, book publishers branded themselves originally and, and reading and and I wrote that and just put it on Medium but I, you know, I didn't have any like goals. Right. I just, just was like, I'm not making art. I mean, between in between art and this, there's this experimental poetry phase that's really hard to explain and maybe wouldn't fit into this <laughs> podcast but like that was really writing based and yeah. uh, so there was this kind of bridge okay. of experimental poetry between art and eventually like experimental poetry was even like too cumbersome. Like it wasn't efficient enough. So it was just like, oh, I don't need all of that. Like yeah. I can just be the words. So like, I, you know, in writing that first piece about the history of branding, it was, I was just trying to do something with, with this energy, yeah. with the little bit of time and energy that I had, at the, you know. How did you arrive at writing being a way that could kind of fill that energy were you kind of look were you dabbling in a lot of things and writing was the thing that stuck or like how did you kind of zero in on that and then the second question may or may not be related um specifically writing about design i think is interesting and uh you know you were doing this poetry were you 
writing fiction? Like, were you kind of doing other writing, or like, like how do you kind of zero in on the type of writing that you're doing? I mean, now? the poetry again. I don't know if I can fit in here, but it was like relational poetry. So okay. it was like it was it was writing, but it wasn't like it wouldn't fit into any poetry magazine. A lot of it was experimental, and a lot to do with like uh, socially constructed situations okay. and things. Okay. It was it was pretty far out, but it was. Uh, but there was writing involved. I mean, I've always had a sense that I can write. You know, my education K-12 was, like, very focused on writing. Mm. And that was what was valued yeah. in school for me. And so, like, that's part of why also I didn't know anything about design. Or, like, really, right. even going to Micah, like, going into Micah, I didn't know anything about anything. Because, like, my... <laughs> Growing up, it was really the focus was writing, yeah. and my father, is, you know, is an yeah. author, and yeah. he, he valued writing, and so we did writing at home, you know, like as a kid, and so like I ha it, it it wasn't something that was foreign to me, right? And the I actually, you know, I really see a lot of parallels between the design process and the writing process. So it it was a natural flow, yeah, into the into writing as a as a new outlet. Um, and the reason for writing about design is, and this is like. Ten years from now, I could honestly, at this point, see myself being a writer. Like, oh, but not necessarily a design writer. Like, talk more about that. Well, I could. <laughs> I don't know how. I'll, I don't know how I'll get yeah. there. But like, that's something I could imagine at this yeah. point. I could would never have been able to imagine that five years ago. Because for for me, like, I'm honestly interested in writing more than I'm interested in writing about design. Like, design yeah. is what I know. You know, they say, like, write what you know. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I know a lot about design. I, mean, I have a lot of hours clocked in experience and energy that I've devoted to it, so I have opinions about that, so it's what I'm able yeah. to write about. But it's really, like, at this point, I get super excited about the the act of writing. You know, like, that yeah. is thrilling to me. It's, it's, it's like getting at the bone of it, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. the bone of the issue, like... Almost like design is the flesh, and we're just like, all right, let's get down to where there's like nothing but language. Like what? So you you mentioned, I think this is so interesting, and I I, I have like, I'm mad that you bring this in now, like because we could have spent the whole conversation talking about this thing. But you mentioned that you see a lot of parallels between kind of the design process and the writing process. Um, can you talk more about those, or or kind of even your own writing process and how that maybe is influenced by? Being a designer, I mean, so I do all my writing on my phone, a hundred percent. Okay, everything I've ever written, I've done on my phone, and I tried to switch to a desktop um, earlier this year. I think we we had lunch. And I oh was yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. I'm gonna start waking up at five. That's right. I remember talking about this. And sit down, and I did that for a month. Woke up at five a.m. and tried to sit down, and it just felt horrible. Okay. I just didn't feel good. It wasn't because it was early in the morning. I just don't like writing while I'm sitting at a desk or in a chair. Like writing on my phone. I, you know, you're holding the phone closer to your yeah. face. You're like with the language. You're like holding. And so you're just, you're like in the notes app. Like how does this? So I have uh, I use Word, Microsoft okay. Word app, and I connect it to Dropbox. Okay. I have an elaborate folder structure where I have essays in progress. I have about 36 essays right now that have like one paragraph done there. One between okay. like one and four paragraphs done. That I'm constantly like diving in, working a little bit, coming out, working on another one, and eventually like there's in the folder process, one will like graduate up to this bubble up to the top and become okay. like the one that I'm working on right now, um, and then and then that one becomes the one that I'm working on, and then, you know also being 
being a father with a full-time job, like the phone right. allows me to write on the subway uh, in mm-hmm. the morning and in the evening and, uh, you know, in the, e- in the evening after work, I mean, or, you know, right after dinner quite easily, or if I even had just have five minutes to spare, a lot of times for lunch, like I'll wolf down my lunch in my desk. And then I'll go a lot of times, if you guys want to find me, I'm at Wooster, uh, uh, no, I'm Wooster Street, just south of Houston. There's this great little step that I like to sit on and write. Um, so I'll steal like a half hour. After this, this episode comes minutes. out, your spot's just gone. <laughs> I know, it's gone. But uh, so like my writing process is very much like integrated into my daily life, yeah. like all the nooks and crannies of it. Um, and it's something that's just omnipresent in my mind. So like I'm constantly like mulling over something that I was working on in the morning, whether I'm like in a meeting about something else, you know, yeah. like it's just something that I'm perpetually working on at all times. Um, and I was thinking about it this morning. You're saying like, oh, how is design and writing similar? You know, design is a literary discipline. I wrote that yeah. early on. And I do believe that like the later stages of writing are very much like design. When you have yeah. like your one R, but not the one R that you share out, but the one R that you have, then you're ready to whittle, 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 like get it right. Yeah. Like that is very much like design because suddenly like you give, you're like the author, you've given yourself manuscript yeah. to yeah, the yeah. designer, yourself yeah. as yeah. a designer. And now, now you're editing, 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 editing and shaping and forming. And, and you know, like the, probably the, the times when it's most like design is when I grab a paragraph, this maybe the second paragraph and be like, Oh, this is the right. sixth paragraph, like a right. big move. That's like a, big move you know but you know recently i was thinking like before that stage it's not really the same it's 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 a little bit more like art you know because design designers are not creating their own content by and large you know right i mean yes there's designers that write and design their own stuff but at a certain point like the line between personal projects yeah and poetry just blurs completely like the majority of designers are are designing texts that they didn't create and so that initial, the beginning of the writing process where you're dr- pulling out what you want to write about and those beginning, when you're writing those paragraphs yeah. and sentences, just, it's painful, but in a good way. Like, you know, yeah. how can you get that to come together? Isn't really like design. What does that, what does that step look like for you? You know, considering that you're writing on the, on the phone, on your commute, on the step outside after dinner, are these, you know, this is, a, this is a very like reductive tactical question, but I think this is interesting to people, or at least it's interesting to me. Is that like bullet points or do you have sentences? You know, how does it, how does that start where you're kind of this thing you're thinking about starts to crystallize in word? So like I, when, when, when I'm studying illustration and even now yeah. when I draw, like, okay, I haven't I haven't used an eraser in more than ten years. Okay. I never erase lines. I, to me, that's almost sacrilegious. The way I feel about drawing. Right? Yeah. I only draw with a pen, and every line is correct. Okay. As it should be. Yeah. And some drawings aren't correct, and that's fine for for the purpose that that, that maybe you know for the pur- like if it's illustration, there's a specific purpose. If it, if you're just drawing for yourself, they're all great. You yeah. Know? Oh yeah. So, yeah, yeah. And I never, you know, I did life drawing. I can do life drawing. I know that, you know, gesture and then you fill it, you flesh it out in layers. So you're like, get a gesture of the whole scene. Like, I know how to do that, but it's never been what makes sense to me. Like, I start with one line and it just kind of unwinds and spirals out. And so, like, for me, you know, it starts with a feeling of like, you know, 
in design, if you have this feeling of dis-ease and you're looking at a piece of design, you know, it's an indication <laughs> that there's something in the visual composition that could be explored further, right? And <laughs> I use that as a compass in my role as a design director now quite a lot to, like, to figure out what needs to be worked on. Uh, it's, it's really, like, a gut feeling. So, yeah. like, in writing, it's almost like uh, that same feeling of disease, but, you know, again, for me, like, I'm not interested in writing about a logo, but, like, in the culture. It's like a disease in the culture. Like, I'm uncomfortable with my understanding of that or I'm mm -hmm. uncomfortable with the way that that doesn't make sense to me or mm -hmm. I'm curious about that mm -hmm. and so from there like it really starts at this the level of sentence a single sentence like and then balloons out into a paragraph but I might like rewrite a paragraph for like for like really like eight hours like cumulatively over yeah. the course yeah. of a week yeah. I yeah. might spend eight hours rewriting a sentences in a paragraph really on a minute level of just like this language isn't quite right, this word isn't quite right, the sequence isn't quite right. And once I get once I get like that first paragraph like crystallized in a way where it's like, you know, singing for me, then from there I can start to imagine and there might be like some outlining that happens like, okay, okay, from here I can see we need a paragraph about this, about this, about this, about this. I mean, but the, but the amazing thing about writing is like you, you finish all these paragraphs and then all of a sudden, like a lot of times you'll get to the end and you'll be like, this... It's all wrong. Like, oh, yeah, like yeah. I didn't, because you don't know how you feel until you write it. Like, yeah. you don't understand what you think. Like, it's, it's a process of getting there. So, like, in that in that way, it is like design. Like, you've gone so right. far in one direction, and you need to have the courage to, like, rip it all apart and put it back together using what you learned in, in building it in the yeah. first place. You know? Coming back to this idea that you mentioned earlier of writing and reading as being a practice. And I think even in the... In the designing as a, a literary discipline essay, you talk about it being kind of this thing that you have to like kind of train a little bit. How how have you trained yourself to write in like when you have free time in those short bursts? What is that? Um, you know, are you going in with I'm working on this sentence? Is it I'm just going to spend time in this text document right now? Like, what's that? How do you kind of get to that point? I mean, for me, like reading is a big part of my writing process. So, like, you know, I'll I'll open it, open a piece up on my phone and start working on it with the idea that I'm just there to be with it and work on it. Not like uh, I need to get that sentence right, that paragraph right. And basically, what I do, even from, from the time that it's one sentence to the time that it's a paragraph, maybe that's why I can workshop a paragraph <laughs> for eight hours. Is like from the beginning, once when it's one sentence, I'm reading that sentence over and over. I'm reading right. it over and over. It's not right. right. It's not right. It's not smooth. There's still a bump in there. I'm reading a paragraph over and over again, and now I'm adding two paragraphs. I'm reading both paragraphs over and over again, and every time I get through, I change it. And there's and there's really no time in the working process of of beginning to like form the piece that I'm not reading through without changing something. Right. Every read through, right. I'm changing something. Yeah. And so like at the very end, and it's kind of my favorite place is when you have like seven or eight paragraphs, you have a beginning, middle, and end, and it's got a nice shape to it. And then you're like reading through and you're changing smaller things. You're just changing a word. <laughs> and then at the by the very end, you're like, okay, I think I can make it through without changing one thing. Like for me, it's done when I can right. read it without changing one thing. And it's hard to get yeah. there. What is your goal in writing like what do you want to kind of add to this discourse or, or what do you see kind of your position can kind of contributing through your writing 
I mean, that, that's, that's, a, that's a tough question. I mean, that's like a look in the mirror question. Yeah. But I think, like, I mean, I'm interested in there being a, being a part of the conversation about mm-hmm. just, like, who we are as a community. Like, as a community. And, I, I, you know, in listening to past episodes, there's a lot of talk of, like, Dad, there is no community. It's all broken up. <laughs> and there's too many different things. And, I, like, I have some pretty specific ideas about, like, where those lines yeah. draw. Like, you know, like an architect, a product designer, a graphic designer, UX designer, you know, at a certain point, like an architect and a graphic designer is kind of like a podiatrist and a brain surgeon, which is not like to right. like place value on either one of those things, but it's like the head and the foot, like you're pretty yeah. far apart. Yeah. Um, but I think on, a, on, a, on another end of the spectrum, when you're talking about like a print digital divide, to me, that is very superficial yeah. divide that I think people get hung up on. So, like, it doesn't matter if it's an interface or uh, a, a wayfinding or a book or yeah. a logo, you know, and this is where I think reading comes in again. They're all about reading. We're, we're talking about reading experiences. Right. Whether it's an interactive reading experience or uh, a static reading experience, we're talking about reading experiences. And when, and when we use reading as, like, the common thread, then I think we do have a community of people with similar interests. Mm. And maybe the processes are a little bit different and maybe their processes are a little bit reactive to the mediums that they're working in. But we're all talking about like how to help people to read and how to find their way through language, you know? So, um, so who do you see as your, this is another big question that might be kind of weird to answer, but based on that last answer, who, who is your audience? Like, do you, do you picture a specific type of designer when you're writing? No, I, I don't. I really don't. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm honestly, like, writing for selfish reasons to, like, yeah, figure out how yeah. I feel about things. Yeah. You know, I'm interested in sharing them, but, I, you know, there's some comments on Design Observer, and sometimes people write back on Twitter a little bit, but it, it can really feel like you're just kind of, like, throwing <laughs> messages, yeah. you know, that are in bottles into the sea at night, right. and you're just right. like, I don't know. I don't know. It, it went out there. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe people are reading it, you know, but it, but it felt good, and I needed to sort that out for myself. Um, so I don't, I don't have like an audience, you know, I said 10 years from now, I could see myself just being a writer. I feel like I aspire to writing about things that aren't designed. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I don't know how to do it though. Like I, yeah. I can't figure it out. Like it's not comfortable for me yet. I've re- been reading a lot. Like I just finished a book of essays by Joan Didion, oh, yeah. like amazing essayist, spectacular, yeah. you know? And like yeah. she can write about anything. Like, yeah. I want to. I want to be able to do that, you know, like, yeah, I, before that, you know, I think like as design writers, like it's important to read books about design, but really like design for by and large, it seems like the essay is a pretty like dominant form of yeah. writing within yeah. the design community. So, you know, if we go beyond design writing and just look at the, the history and community of essay writing, you know, like I've lately been reading like James Baldwin, oh, yeah. you know, Tahanishi Coates, yeah. brilliant, um, Rebecca Solnit has yeah, amazing yeah. essays and it's like there's so many amazing essays yeah. that aren't about design and but that form is the same so there's there's things to be learned there I mean I aspire to be able to, to do that to like give me like I, let me just write about this conference room right now yeah like yeah, can yeah. I write something that's moving about that or significant to anybody I don't know yeah I mean you, you started answering my next question and, and you you know you mentioned you had like 36 in draft essays what are the things you're thinking about right now what are some of the ideas in those drafts that you're working through what are things you that are on your mind that you're kind of working through writing about right now? so i I just finished an essay so the thing i'm working on this summer is a book proposal 
Oh, nice. Um, for a collection of essays. And, nice. And this is like, hard, I'm a heart on my sleeve kind of guy. So I'm <laughs> just telling like everybody now. And so like when, when you don't see a book from me, it'll hurt that much more. Right? But like, just, just to be honest, like that's what I'm interested yeah. in trying okay. to do right now. Can I put together a book proposal? And even if it, even if I don't succeed right now, I think I'll learn, yeah. you know, what it needs to be, and I'll keep trying. And in, yeah. in a few years, eventually, it will get there, you know, or or maybe I'll get it straight out the gate. But so like I've been spending a lot of energy on crafting the language of that proposal lately, mm. and in crafting that, you know, I'm realizing like I can't. It shouldn't just be essays that are already available on Design Observer. You know, I need to also make essays that are exclusive to it. Right. So I have a few essays that I've written that I haven't given to Design right. Observer. Just, that are, yeah, keeping that. I'm waiting to see how, what happens with the book proposal, and if it fails, maybe I'll just <laughs> flood <laughs> Design Observer with things. But I, I recently finished one about um, design intersection of design and identity. Mm. This idea of like, uh, you know, we we come to art school and we have this idea that we're talented and, and the first thing we learn is that it's just totally mundane to be talented like everyone else around <laughs> us is insanely talented yeah yeah and and then the professors come with these so the solution is oh well it's not about you being talented it's about how you do what you do your unique voice you know come into this brilliant kaleidoscopic yeah. you know realization of your true unique way of doing what you do and like uh over four years that kind of calcifies into like this personification where you where we come out and we're like i'm a designer i'm an illustrator i'm right. a painter i'm a sculptor like right. that's my identity striving for excellence in my work is the same as striving for excellence in myself and i think the essay that is about that being a little bit dangerous in service disciplines where like Interesting. again we said like okay in design you might be doing a self-initiated project. But let's just say for the sake of argument, by and large designers are working for clients. And if designer is the cornerstone of your identity and you have to kind of ask for permission to be yourself, it can be a little problematic. I don't know. Yeah. So, I mean, That's I, interesting. I kind of have a fear of losing my job. Like I have this, the essays about that as well. Like I have this sense that uh, I won't be able to get another seat at the table. Right. You know, which I don't think is imposter syndrome, and I don't think it's neurosis. Like, I've met a lot of former designers. Like, the technology of design has shifted so many times and so hard over the past yeah. hundred years Yeah. that there's a lot of people that didn't make it across the gap. And I'll be a, a designer event, or I'll just be hanging out with friends, and you'll meet people that are no longer designers who yeah. were designers. So it's not outlandish to imagine that you your career might end before you're ready to retire. Yeah. So I have this like That's fear cool. of like right. the right. end of the So yeah, the essay is kind of about exploring that fear and like trying to understand those feelings. Do you think do you think this kind of idea that in 10 years you'll be a writer is a way to kind of placate some of that fear? <laughs> it's like you're planning your exit maybe. <laughs> I don't know, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> uh, my last question is um, a question that I end all of these with and you've already named a bunch of, of people that you're reading and, and you mentioned that you're a voracious reader so I imagine this is going to be kind of hard to 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 narrow down but who who's on your reading who are the people that have like really influenced you if you were putting together a reading list who would you put on it well you know being a fan of the podcast, <laughs> I, love, I wrote it down <laughs> so I wouldn't forget way to be prepared though. I love um, this so 
Uh, five. There's five books. I love this. I like this is the best answer already. <laughs> so I mentioned Rebecca Solnit earlier, and she has this book, The Faraway Nearby. Oh, yeah. I haven't read that one yet. The whole book is fantastic. But chapter three, okay. in particular, if you, if you can't manage to read the whole thing, read chapter three. It's about um, Frankenstein. It's about Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Okay. It's about Mary Shelley. And it's honestly like the best piece of critical writing about a creative act that I've ever read where she just moves between these like really like big broad human ideas about like what it means to be alive and the specifics of the weather in the lead up to the writing like what was happening in in the region where Mary Shelley was like the weather right before she started writing so it's like this expansive look that really gets super granular also it's, it's brilliant um the other one is Jessica Helfin's Design, The Invention of Desire, yeah. which again like speaks about design yeah. in this really big way that I like aspire to be able to also write about it in that way. Um, and I just I love that book. Yeah, that's um, one of those books that I feel like I just turn to again and again. So like, I just get something new out of it every time. I, yeah, yeah, I love I it. Wanna re- I, I really <laughs> don't read books twice, but that's one <laughs> that I would like to read again. Um, Nigel Cross, The Designerly Ways of Knowing. Oh, yeah. So, and this is, this is not a new book, and it kind of like incorporates essays that were written in the 70s, but he was really looking at, and I wrote an essay about it. Yeah. The um, first time we met, we ended up spending that whole lunch talking about that. It's a great yeah. book, but he's really like pop, making a case for design being a third area of general education, like this idea that it's intrinsic human knowledge, different from the, yeah. you know, sciences and art, and that it's like this different way of understanding the world. So, again, I guess like... Uh, you know, those two books, Jessica's book and Nigel's book, both are like ways of thinking about design in a really like big, broad way. Um, and then like the fourth book to recommend for anyone that the designer that's like interested in starting writing, or even if you are writing a lot, but you uh, is Verlin Klinkenborg's <laughs> yes. several short sentences yes. about writing. I love that book. And he's on the editorial board of the New York Times. And it's this book that's written like a poem like the punctuation yeah. is such that it's and the cadence is really like almost like the whole thing is a poem yeah and the topic is sentences not paragraphs he's really just talking about crafting sentences and he gets deep into it and he writes about it in a way where if you're a designer and you're interested in writing which you've never written before and you read that book you'll be like oh i can do this yeah it's not that different from what i'm already doing the yeah. one the i agree with that book it, like completely changed how I thought about my own writing process. The one piece from that that I think about all the time that like just for someone listening, you know, not to, to steal your thunder, but put every sentence on its own line when you're writing. And so you start to see the length of the sentence. So you can start to see the shape and the uh, rhythm of it. I like that. I don't remember. Yeah. I, I, that just blew me. I've recommended that to students. I've recommended that to friends who want to start writing. And it's, I find it so it's like just this little detail that completely just changes the, the rhythm of the piece. And that really is like bridging that gap between writing and design. Yeah. Now you're looking at the ge- yeah. geometry yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. of the language. Um, and then the fifth book, the last book, is A History of Reading by Alberto Manguel. And I it's read like, that one. Oh, That's been on my list forever. So like, I haven't always been a voracious reader. So like the, the median number of books that, Amer- an American, that Americans read um, is five. So, like, for most of my life, I read... A year? A year. Or, okay. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, a year. So, for most of my life, I read five books a year. So, like, not a non-reader, but not, like, excited reader. But, yeah. like, now I read, like, as I said before, like, I'm running out of time. Like, I can't yeah. read enough books. 
So like, let let if you're not a if you don't self-identify as a voracious reader, if you're not but you're someone that reads like five books a year or even like two or three, like let me be an example yeah. of the fact that you could become someone that reads more. You know, like and reading that book, the history of reading is like it is inspiring. Like it inspires you to approach reading as a practice. I mean, one day, you know, I just kind of woke up and it's, it, you know, looking around like anyone that I thought was amazing, like not just designers, yeah, but yeah. like all of a sudden I just, you know, it's like you start noticing, you become obsessed with like maybe the, you know, the number 32 and you see it everywhere. Right. So like suddenly like every single person that I was inspired by, I was like, Oh, I'm a reader. I'm a reader. When I was a kid, I was a reader. I was afraid. And you just realize it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like the secret, like <laughs> yeah. key. So like, I mean, I, I, I would encourage anybody to read more, whether you're a designer or not. And I think like the history of reading is a nice like doorway to like, oh, getting nice. to like being able to empathize with somebody who's super excited about the act of sitting down with a book. Yeah. I love, that was a great way. To, to like wrap that up like very encouraging I love that you prepared that, <laughs> that question it's always a struggle for people and this just made it so much easier uh, and I'm so glad we got to do this I've, yeah. I'm obviously a fan of your writing and I've been wanting to get you on uh, you know, for a while, and so I'm glad we got to do this. No, Thank you so I mean much. this was th a thrill for me. You know, you can't really like plug a show on a show, but if <laughs> if somehow yeah. magically like this is the first episode of the show you've ever listened to, like you said, I'm episode yeah. 91. You yeah. gotta go back and listen to the other 90. <laughs> right. They're fantastic. That's great. Nice pitch at the end. I love that. This episode was recorded on July 12th, 2018 in New York City. Our theme music is by Andy Borgasani. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Surface Podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, and at scratchingthesurface.fm. Thanks for listening.